Good morning. I know everybody was here last week and I what, and I wasn't sure if there was a little bumper video that was going to play or not, so I was sort of waiting to hear. Hope you got your Bibles. Turn with me to Ephesians. How many of you have ever been to the Grand Canyon? This is the Grand Canyon of God's Word this morning as, as we look at some things that Micah said in her song should cause a response. And so we're going to have a couple of times during the message that we're going to respond. And one of it is seated, seated before you in the Lord's table as we come to the Lord's table in just a minute. I want to thank uh, publicly Pastor Casey as he introduced this series as Jeff and I wave at everybody, Jeff. Folks that wear orange. <laughs> as, as he and I went to, went to Maine this past week, what a beautiful place. I don't know whether you've ever been to Maine or not. And I, I was a child since I was there. What a, what a beautiful place. I met the Farrells, a, a wonderful family, doing a good work up there. We've got some prayer cards on the wall now to pray for them. Uh, as, as I looked at some of the beauty up in Maine, there's a contrast up there. Around such beauty, there is such lostness. Yes, there's places in the United States to where you can go and some 96, 97% of everybody you meet is lost. That's the work amongst such beauty. And, and yet we went to church Sunday and, and saw that even in, among all the beauty and all the lostness, God is building His church. It's such a wonderful to see the promises of God. And so let's stand to our feet in honor of God's word today as we look at Ephesians 1, verses 1 to 14. Before we read this, there's about four sermons in this text, at least. Our purpose as we read God's word is to understand today what is our union in Christ actually and what actually happened to brought you in with Christ let's read Paul's letter Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, with which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that 
we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Oh God, I dare not add this is your word. Be glorified in it this morning, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So here is the task in front of us. We live in an individualistic culture. It is permeated and permeates every sphere of your life. And if you don't see it today, that's part of the task at hand. As for the next month, next four Sundays or so, we're going to look into this. Because it wars against, it wars against every family in here this morning. Every person. Individualism. It has permeated the church. It's how we define our salvation. It, it views how you see the church this morning. The church is simply seen now because we describe our salvation in personal terms. The church is seen as simply a means, a tool to be used by you. And when it becomes unuseful, you simply cast it aside. Find another church that meets our preferences and our desires. That's individualism. If that's inside of us this morning, that's what's driving it. Not God's word and not what God says the church is. So that's the purpose of this series. Gospel-centered community. We say that a lot. But we need to identify what we believe. We need to believe to identify what our practices are. And then what we need to do is take God's word this morning and, and conform our lives to his word. So last week, Pastor Casey put community on display for us and so we should be left with this question where do we start pastor how do we experience that well that's what we're trying to see this morning there is a basis there is a foundation that's what i want us to learn today the basis the foundation for this community is our union in christ so what is union in christ so let's define it Union in Christ can be defined this way. It is all true Christians are in Christ and Christ is in them. When we say union in Christ, we are saying that all true Christians are in Christ and Christ is in them. Listen to this quote. The most basic of all saving truths is the union God the Father forges between the believer and His Son, Jesus Christ. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. To put it plainly, to be saved is to be united to the Savior. This is the foundation of our biblical community. So what Paul is doing here in Ephesians 1, as he lays out our, not only the doctrine of our salvation, he is trying to understand, help us understand that it is our salvation must be described as the Father uniting a people 
to himself, through his Son, through the power of the Holy Spirit. If we do not understand it that way, we do not understand the redemptive mission of God the Father. And His glory is at stake. And so Paul labors to help us understand that our salvation is in Christ. He uses it some ten times from verses 3 to 14. One of the most interesting things to do if you study your Bible and don't mind marketing it up is, is underline all of those. So the main idea today, it's on your notes. I hope you've got a copy. They're in the back if you don't. All the redeemed are in Christ, united together in Him. So we're looking at this. We're going to see this in just a second. That election, adoption, redemption, and glorification are all understood as union with Christ. And to reject any of them is to not be able to understand your union. And the consequences is not only communion with Christ, but communion of the saints. And I know what, what's before us is this Grand Canyon, this deep theological truth. And maybe for some of us as we read this, we might even say, this is a brand new category for me. And praise God, that's what He does. We're not interested in this morning about what we believe or our philosophy what we are interested in is that this is God's Word, and we must proclaim it all. And so we do this morning as we want to see that according to this passage, our union with Christ involves adoption as children and redemption by the blood of Christ and a guaranteed inheritance. So let's look at verse 3. In union with Christ, we are His adopted children. Union with Christ, look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So the first thing I want you to see, if you're taking notes, is that union with Christ is a spiritual blessing. There's no I here. There's no me. There's only us. Paul, including himself. Who is the us? Well, look back in verse 1. He's writing a letter. Who's the letter to? Somebody, somebody tell me. We're going to interact today. This is going to be a little bit kind of a weird kind of service, but that's okay. What's, what's a, who, who's the us? Look at verse 1. Saints and are faithful. Those are saints. Faithful there is not talking about their actions of being faithful. That is talking about believing. Saints are those who are believing, because this is his point. He's trying to help us understand union in Christ. Believing in Christ Jesus. That's what it means to be a saint. That's who he's talking to today. Now understand this. Look over at me. Look over at me. This is important. Verses 3 to 14. In the Greek, one sentence. Really important. So, somebody from grammar. <laughs> to have a sentence... We must express a complete what? Thought. Okay, so Paul is intending in his original language from verse 3 to verse 14 is expressing a complete thought. One complete idea. These are, these are, this is the spiritual blessing. Everything from verses 3 to verse 14. This is like getting a race car when you're 8. It's a sort of an important illustration. Think about it. Remember that if you... 
Back when I was young, I'm not sure if we had remote control race cars. I think you still had to run them on the ground, you know. But imagine it's a remote control race car, and you know that box about that size, all wrapped up nice. You open it up, that's what it is, race car. What are you going to do to start with? Are you really going to get a screwdriver and start taking that thing apart and, and just take it to pieces and lay it all over your den floor? Will you not simply enjoy it and be grateful for the giver? This is what I want us to see this morning. This is a spiritual blessing that must be taken as a whole and must be responded to in worship. This spiritual blessing is from the Father, it is from heaven, and it is in Christ. So listen to what I'm saying this morning. Our union in Christ demands our adoration first, not our explanation. Our union in Christ demands first, it demands chiefly our adoration, not our explanation. In other words, if you walked up to the Grand Canyon and you looked at it, would you turn around and say, I am not going to appreciate this to somebody who explains to me exactly how this happened. Or would you not first simply look at it and be in awe of it? That's what Paul wants us to do this morning. Listen to me very clearly. God nor His economy is ever to be treated like a science project to be mechanically dissected. When we come to God, when we come to His economy, we do so in the fear of God. We do so with the motivation that I want to know You, God. I want to love You and I want to worship You. And the reason I want to know is because I want to worship You more, know You better, and lead other people to do the same. If we come to it any other way, we are not treating it as a gift. Important. Union with Christ is a spiritual blessing. It comes from the Father through the Son, and should lead us to adoration. Because union with Christ is God's plan. It's God's plan. Verse 4. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Christ Jesus. According to the purpose of His will. So here's the question. What's the plan? Right? We want to understand the union with Christ. What's the plan? You've got to get this this morning. His plan's the adoption of children. This is the picture. It's the gift. It's in love. You see it right, right in the middle of verse 4 and 5. Remember, this is one sentence. Right in the middle of verse 4 and 5, we have in love. Turn with me to John 17. You've got to see this. It's foundational. Remember John 17? Jesus is praying to his Father. He's praying for his disciples. And he's praying for us. John 17, verse 23. You know what he says? I and them. Remember, he's praying to the Father. I and them and you and me. That they may become perfectly one. So that the world may know that you have sent me and love them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me when? Before the foundation of the world. This is where, this is what 
the plan sits on. It sits in love. His plan. His love. According, look at the end of verse 5. According to the purpose of His will. According to means in relation to. Purpose means pleasure. He purposed out of the pleasure of His own will to adopt children into His family. How? Well, look at verse 4. It says, He chose us in Him. So I want to use an illustration. Sean, come here, bud. Me and Sean's already talked about all this. He's already answered all the questions, but I wonder if you can this morning. So Sean's going to help me. I told him he was going to help me preach the, preach the hardest part of the message today. I'm going to mess up his nice shirt here in just a second. It's okay. I told him it was coming. So let me, I'm going to read this. Pay attention to the text. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, so let's first ask the question, who's us? Verse 1, who's us? The saints, okay? Even as He chose us in Him. Here's the question. Firstly, chiefly, you holding on to Christ or is Christ holding on to you? Chiefly and firstly, if you want to understand union in Christ, you've got to understand who God is this morning. Who's God? I asked Sean that question. He didn't have a problem answering it. This is an adoption plan. And listen. You've got to understand the text this morning. He chose us. He chose us. This is what it says. There was a timing of this. When did this choosing happen? Before the foundation of the world. Let's keep reading. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. He predestined. That simply means He predetermined this plan. Do you understand this picture this morning? This is why it's the Grand Canyon. It's God. In His mind before the foundation of the world, creation already in there, perfect, complete. So is your adoption. This is common sense, brothers and sisters. To, to be adopted, a child must be chosen. And I ask you, as I ask him, does he love me? His answer was, yeah, daddy, I love you. Who loved you first? You or me? You did. Same is true for you. This is the gift. Thank you, brother. Romans 8.15 says this, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. He predetermined that. For you to be a child of God. First. 29, Romans 8, verse 29 says this, For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed into the image of His Son, listen to this, in order that He, Christ, might be the firstborn of many what? Brothers. Us. 
You see, adoption is helpful to help us understand the reality of our union in Christ because in adoption, the recipients get a new name, get a new legal standing, they get a new family relationship. This was God's plan. This is, this is the profoundness that hit me this week. Yes, I have set my love on my children. That's what adoption does. That's the plan. In love, he chose us. In love, he predetermined to adopt us. But listen, in earthly adoption, I cannot give my spirit to my children. Can't put all of me in them. I can set my love on them, and that I do. Every day, as God does with you. But listen to this beauty this morning. In spiritual adoption, God puts His Spirit in you. You see that? He puts His Spirit in you, and so you are in Christ. So we become the children of God. That's who we are. It's our identity. Our legal standing has changed. Our family relationship is never the same. Good news. Union is for God's glory. That's why we live now as children of God for His glory. You might say, why this plan? Why this way? Why us? There's a mystery to that. And I don't know anywhere else in Scripture that gives us as much as this text does to answer that question. It says in verse 4, that He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. God's plan was to pull us even closer than Adam and Eve because of the relational intimacy that comes with being inside the family. And now I get to do what I was created to do for the first time in my life. I get to live for Him. I get to reflect Him. The ultimate reason why, verse 6, why this plan, why this way, why us, we simply say, He said it was to, to the praise of His own glory. That's the reason. So we adore God because of His adoption plan. To unite us to Himself in Christ we adore the Father because of this. We also understand that in union with Christ, we were redeemed by the blood of Christ. Look at verse 7. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace. So just look at the, look at the text. In verse 7, it is His grace. And in verse 9... It is His plan. His grace, His plan, His gracious plan was to adopt children. But there was a barrier, wasn't there? This is why the gospel, the whole gospel is so important. There was a barrier. There was their sin that had to be dealt with. This was part of the plan before the foundation of the world. Nothing takes God by surprise. Ephesians 2, 1. Turn with me over. If you've got Ephesians 1, just turn over a page in my Bible. Chapter 2. Always some bad news with the good news, isn't there? Always some bad news. That's what it says. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins 
in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince and power of the air, the spirit that is now at work and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and the minds, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Look at verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. You see, union with Christ required both redemption and pardon. Redemption, that's the word we see here. It shifts now from eternity past, before the foundation of the world, the plan. Now it's in time and space. Now in Christ. What does the word redemption mean? Redemption means deliverance as a result in paying a ransom. There was a ransom. There was a debt. There was a penalty. It had to be paid. Redemption is deliverance after that's been paid. Colossians 1.14 Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians 14, chapter 1, verse 14. It says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. Matthew, in describing the, the purpose of why Christ came, in Matthew 20, verse 28, says, Jesus came to serve us by giving his life as a ransom. A ransom. So this morning, your redemption involved two things. Your union in Christ. The adoption plan to bring you in involved a redemption. And it meant both emancipation and substitution. In order for you to be freed, one must pay your price and stand in your place. This was the cost of your adoption. Redemption. You aren't just freed. Jesus took your place. This also includes pardon. Pardon. It says the forgiveness of our trespasses. The easiest way for me to describe it is with the Bible. I'm not going to go there. Just mark it down. If you want to go to Leviticus 16 at some point in time, that's the easiest way to understand your union in Christ. Because the sacrificial system, there were two sheep. There were two goats. They were brought in. One was slaughtered in the place of God's people. The wages of sin is what? Death. She died. Go died in, in the God's people's place. It's blood sprinkled as a sin offering on the mercy seat. The other goat, the other sheep, the priest placed his hands on it, symbolically transferring all the sin of God's people on that goat, and was it was left the city never to return. They called it the scapegoat. Jesus Christ was your scapegoat. He bore your sin. He took it outside the camp. He never brings it back. And so your forgiveness means 
biblically that Jesus Christ never brings your sin up to the Father again. And he doesn't bring it up to you and he doesn't bring it up to us. That's forgiveness. That's what it happened so that you could be in the family of God today. It's good news. Somebody ought to amen about that. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Micah, come up. Union with Christ is lavish grace. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to respond to it. We're going to respond. This, this demands. I couldn't get to this point, brothers and sisters. Anytime I studied this text without stopping and singing something. You see, this is what the gospel does. The gospel produces generosity. The gospel produces worship. This is lavish grace. You have been chosen. You have been adopted. You have been forgiven. Now in God Almighty's family, you carry His name. So let's, let's worship His name. Oh, I'm forgiven. Because you are forsaken I'm accepted You are condemned I'm alive and well Your spirit is within me Because you died and rose again I'm forgiven I'm forgiven Cause you were forsaken I'm accepted You were condemned I'm alive and well Your spirit is within me Because you died and rose again Amazing love How King would die for me. Amazing love, I know it's true, and it's my joy to honor you in all I do. Christ is in us because we have been adopted we have been redeemed and in, un in union with Christ we have a guaranteed inheritance look at verse 11 Ephesians 1 now 
Ephesians 1, verse 11. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. So in union with Christ, what is His is now ours. What is Christ now belongs to us. Oh, what a sermon that could be. Just thinking about that truth. Ephesians 2, 7. It says, But God being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Look at verse 6. And raised us up with Him. And seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 7. So that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. The bookends of our union in Christ are both eternal. Got to see this this morning. The one bookend began before the foundation of the world in eternity past when He chose us to be adopted into His family. And it will be fully realized in eternity future. And we will be glorified and we will know Him as He is. This is the bookends of our union in Christ. Election before time. Glorification in heaven. We praise His glory when? Right now. Right now, in union with Christ, God's plan has been sealed in us. It's sealed. It's guaranteed. Verse 13, back in chapter 1. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. We say, well, I was chosen before time and redeemed in time and going to be glorified at a future time. What about right now? Right now, he says he seals us. You see yourself, you see God's people in the plan. There was a time when you heard the word of truth and you believed. You see it? The unfolding of the plan in all of our life that brings us in together. The Spirit even working. Having ears they couldn't hear, having eyes they couldn't see. And yet here we are, hearing and seeing. That's the Spirit. Open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear. We hear, we see the truth, we believe, we're sealed. What does a seal do? Why does he use that term? Saw somebody making sure their Bible was theirs coming in. Coming in, sometimes I need probably need to do that with mine. I'm probably going to lose it one day. Don't have my name on it. Names mark ownership. Talked about that with Micah. We need to get a stamp because we, we like for people to borrow our books. But what happens is, is somebody forgets they borrowed a book, and I forget you borrowed the book, and then I look around and say, where's my book? I can't find that book anywhere, you know. I need to get a stamp. Why? To mark ownership. It seals us with His Holy Spirit because we are His. 
Seals keep people from tampering with things. Go out and look at the, your power, your meter base out there. There's probably going to be a little sealed ring out there. Keep people from getting in there and messing with it. John 10, 28. No one can take us away from the Father's hand. Remember what Jesus said? I hold you in my hand. No one can take you out of my hand. My Father is greater than all. And, and he, no one can take you out of His hand. We are double. Giving God in us. No one can take us out of His hand. I guarantee this seal guarantees authenticity. I don't know whether you're an Apple guy or a Windows guy. or Maybe it's your clothes. But there's one way to know when we go shopping. If I want to get a computer, I'm a Mac guy. Just am. That's just, that's just the way it is. Don't know why. Just, just that way. And so when I go, I know how to make sure that something's authentically Apple. We are authentically His because He has given us His Spirit. Romans 8.16 the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we also might be glorified with Him. What's our response to this? Verse 14 gives us our response. It's the end of the thought. It's the end of the sentence. End of verse 13 says the promised Holy Spirit, verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire a possession of it to the praise of His glory. Did you pick up on something as we're studying through this that every member of the Trinity is involved in our union with Christ? From verse 1 to verse 14, every member of the Trinity is involved in our salvation. In union with Christ, let's just review. What have we talked about today? In union with Christ, we have been chosen by God the Father and adopted as His children. In union with Christ, we have been redeemed by the work, the sufficient, once-for-all work of Christ Jesus. In union with Christ, we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit for a guarantee of our eternal inheritance. And that, brothers and sisters, is simply the tip of the iceberg. That's the foundation of our union in Christ. So what can we take away today? I don't know of any other important question than this. Are you one of the Father's children? Are you one of His children? Have you been sealed with the Holy Spirit? Bible says to turn to the Lord, to turn to God. It means you turn from sin. Repent. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. He says the plan was for you to be His child. Oh, brothers and sisters, He could have saved us and not adopted us. He saved us in order to adopt us. How grateful are you are for that today? Are we gratefully aware that the basis of our communion with each other is this? It is our union in Christ. This is the basis of our communion with each other. This is why we call it the communion of the saints. 
So let me introduce you to a definition. You don't have to write it down. We're going to come back to it later. I just want you to hear it. The communion of the saints is the living fellowship of all true believers who are united in love by their union with Christ and have spiritual communion with one another as they share in corporate worship spiritual gifts, Christian graces, material goods, and mutual edification. It's a big definition, and it's packed. And we're going to look at it. But you need to understand this morning, the fountain spring that all of that springs from is Ephesians 1, verses 3 to 14. That is the very foundation of our union in Christ. From that, the grace of the communion of saints flows. Ephesians, again, chapter 4, verse 4. I want you to see the oneness here. It's what we're fixing to celebrate. Ephesians 4, verse 4. Brothers and sisters, this is why up in Maine you could find a, a gospel preaching, gospel-sharing church and go worship Him and be immediately one in body with them because God only has one church. There is one body and one spirit just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. is your foundation for how we relate to each other as family because listen the family of God is eternal begin before the foundation of the world ends in the glory sealed with the spirit right now I love 1 Corinthians as we move to the table 1 Corinthians 10 Verse 15, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 15. I speak as to sensible people, judge for yourself what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not participation in the blood of Christ? That bread that we break, is it not participation in the body of Christ, because there is one bread, we are many, are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Jesus Christ said that I am the bread of life. This participation, the Christian Standard Bible uses the word sharing. It's koinonia. It means communion. That when we come to the table, we have communion with Christ and each other. This is what he paid for. This is what he planned. This is what we are commanded to celebrate until he comes. And so that all that have been united with Christ are invited to the table. Just a word. There should be shouldn't be a believer in here. They shouldn't use this opportunity of the grace that you've been given at the cross 
and repent of your sins and come to the table. It's not about you. It's about him. Turn with me to Luke 22. Luke 22. I just want us to go to this place. I just want us to be to a sweet time. As you turn to this, I'm going to explain it twice. We're going to do something a little bit different today. After we read this, spend some time in prayer examining ourselves. I'm going to invite you to come to the table. I'm going to invite you to take both elements in your hand and go back to your seat and worship God and do not take it. Okay? We are going to take it together today. All right? Here's what I want us to get to this morning. I want us to go back before the cross, Luke 22, verse 15. Go back to verse 14. And when the hour came, that hour was planned, brothers and sisters. That hour that was planned, he came. He reclined at the table, the apostles with him, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it was fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Verse 17, and he took a cup. When he had given thanks, he said, Take this, divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Verse 19. He took the bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and gave, gave it to them saying, This is my body which is given to you, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after they had eaten saying, This cup that is poured out for you this do this is the new covenant for you and my blood. So in just a minute when we begin to sing after we pray, you're going to come to the table, you're going to take the bread and the cup, you're going to go back to your seat, you're going to worship God. Then in a minute we'll take the cup together. But first, brothers and sisters, the Bible commands us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that we examine ourselves 1 John 1, 9 says, If you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So let's, before we come to the table, let us bow our heads and let us, as children of God, as those united in Christ, come to the cross. Examine ourselves and then come. So God, as we, in reverence and in fear of you, we come to examine ourselves, ask that first question, am I a child of God? Am I one of your kids? Am I believing? Have I been sealed? God, even those of us that have been redeemed, Lord, sin against you. Lord, we thank you for the cross. And so, Lord, we ask you now, if you would, bring those particular sins 
into our mind so that we may lay them at the cross to be removed, never to be brought up again. Thank you, Lord. Forgiveness is new every day, sufficient every day until we acquire possession of what we long for, our glorification. There'll be no more sin in me and us, and we may make much of you forever.